Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and meet me at verse 26. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Thank you, Jesus. We started a series that we call Church Words. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about one of the church words that is in Scripture that we don't talk a lot about. So I pray that you are have been praying for me and that you continue to pray for me as I preach this message today. I've never preached this message before, and so I'm excited to share what the Lord revealed to me. We pick up in verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. So we have a weakness. Here's our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That's one of the weaknesses we have. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's why it's important to pray in the Spirit. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good for those to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Today, I want to talk to you about this word called predestination, predestination. Now, predestination is a confusing word to a lot of the body of Christ. A lot of people believe in predestination in a way that puts God's sovereignty into question. They believe in predestination in a way that God is sovereignly selecting or choosing certain groups of people that will go to heaven. And at the same time, he's selecting and choosing a certain group of people that will go to hell. And they call this predestination and God's sovereignty. I have issue with that line of thinking Uh, I'm not going to go through all of the verses that I could share that uh, brings a question into that line of thinking. I'm here today really just to whet your appetite to allow you to go study it out a little further, a little deeper on your own. Uh, But if that were the case that God was selecting and choosing certain people to go to heaven while others are not, then there would have to be some kind of uh, redemptive value in this handful of people that he's selecting. That has to be something good in them as to why he selected them. And if that were the case, then we wouldn't need Jesus because we got to have Jesus because there was nothing good in us and everything was good in Jesus. And so Jesus made a way for all of us to experience life and life more abundantly in Christ Jesus. And so there are some people that even believe that they've been chosen for salvation, but their kids may not have been. Very interesting. They don't know if their kids have been chosen or not. And so that creates a big dilemma, right, in your house where I'm saved, but my kids ain't saved. 
And then there are some people that don't even believe that they are even saved and that at the end of the day, God's going to make the decision. And we're just trying to walk this life out. Basically, in that line of thinking, we're trying to earn our salvation and we're trying to do all this good stuff to be worthy enough to experience God's acceptance into heaven, that, guys, is not predestination. And there's some big argument. People that are a lot smarter than me, they have a case that try to say that predestination is something God is selecting. I have a lot of issues with that. So since I got the microphone and I'm your pastor, I'm going to tell you what it really means and what predestination really is. God has not predestined for anyone to be separated from him. That has not been his plan. That has never been his purpose. That has never been his goal for anyone to be experienced eternal separation from him. That is not his plan. Matter of fact, he made a way for all of us to be accepted in his beloved. And so I'm going to talk about predestination today in Jeremiah 29, 11, very famous passage of scripture. It says, for I know the new King James, I know the thoughts. I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. The King James Version says, I know the plans I have for you, plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And so you cannot, listen to me now, you cannot plan for the past. There is no way I can plan to go to my senior year prom right now. I can't plan for that. It's in the past. The only thing you can plan for is the future. You cannot plan for the past. And so we understand that God's plan for us has always been a good plan. It's always been a plan to give us a future and an expected end, a hope. So in the past, God's plan has been good. We just read in Romans 8, uh, it says that we'll be glorified. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. And that simply means we're going to shine and we're going to get our resurrected body. And we'll talk about that later as well. And we're going to uh, be in heaven. So the future is good. So the past God has planned is good. The future God has planned is good. That must tell you and I that our present is good. No matter what you're going through, the present is good. No matter what you're experiencing, God's past has always been good. In the past, he planned for the future. He's already destined us to have a good ending. That means currently it is good. I don't care what you are going through. It is good because in Romans 8, he says all things work together for good. Say it after me. All things, all things, all things work together for my good. But there is a caveat. It's to those who love God. It's not for everybody. So some people, things are working together, working together for the bad, and it's going to keep getting worse. And it's going to keep getting worse and worse, not because God has cursed them, but because they have been self-cursed. Let me say it again, not because God has cursed them, but because they have been self-cursed. What does that simply mean? They have rejected the free gift of salvation. And so all things work together for good to those who love God. That's important. 
If I love God, how many people in here love God? How many people online, you love God? If you love God, then things are going to work together for your good and you have been called to a purpose. There's a reason for your existence. There's a reason why you are here, but, but you have to understand that there has been a call. Somebody say call. Now, there are three words before I get into this. There are three words I want you to see. Verse 26, we see the word called. Verse 27, we see the word foreknew. And then we also see the word predestined. And I want to talk a little bit about those three today. Called, foreknew, and predestined. Matter of fact, I'm going to just take a moment. Put it back on the screen if you don't mind. Romans chapter 8. Start me at verse 28 real quick. And it says here. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called. Somebody shall called according to his purpose. Look at verse 29. For whom he foreknew, shall foreknew, he also predestined, say predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now look at me. He's, you've been called and then you foreknew. That word foreknew, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. It means to know ahead of time. Or to know before time. He predestined, we're going to get into that, to be conformed. That means to look like, to resemble, to look like and resemble, to act like, almost like a picture. To be conformed to the image. That word image is the word picture, really. So we're going to look like, act like, image, a picture of his son. And so... The process by which God has communicated this sequence ends with we are to look like Jesus. Uh, we are to resemble him, to act like him, to be like him, to look like him. This is the sequence by which God has created the process by which we have been called. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That means he, he, he looks like us, but he was born first amongst the brethren. Look, look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, which means declared righteous, or simply just treated you just as if you've never sinned. He justified you, and then he, whom he justified, he also glorified that simply means causing you to receive the manifestation of God's goodness, ultimately receiving your resurrected body in heaven, so on and so forth. We're going to talk about these words as we go through. I wanted you to see that because you have been called to look like Jesus. Say this out loud. I'm supposed to be like Jesus. I'm supposed to be like Jesus. I like this guy named Chip Brim makes this statement. He says, I am well on my way to becoming what I already am. I am well on my way to becoming what I already am. Say that. I am well on my way to becoming who, what I already am. Praise God. And so we're called to look like Jesus. But I want to take a moment to talk about this word called for a second, because this word called is so very important when we talk about predestination. So when you have been called, that means you have been invited you have been solicited. You have been encouraged. And so the call is an invite. That's why Jesus said many are called, few are chosen. 
And, uh, and uh, Creflo Dollar says this, and the chosen are the ones who show up. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you don't show up, you can't be chosen. But many are called. Few are chosen. And so the call is an invitation that has been sent out. Now, uh, I learned this from, uh, Carl, what's the, what's the author of that book you recommended me? Yes, Bob Yen. I couldn't remember his name. Bob Yen. And Carl gave me a book. And it was by this guy named Bob Yandian. And he talks, he mentioned this illustration in the book. And I'm going to give him credit because I thought it was a great illustration. The next time I get this illustration, I will not give him credit. It's my illustration. But this time, it's the first time. So he used this, this illustration of being called. For example, you are throwing a party. Just imagine you're throwing a party and you have invited a lot of people. I'm throwing a party and I invite everybody in the church to come to this party. And I send out invitations to come to my party. On the invitation, I have a RSVP. And RSVP tells us, it allows you to communicate and respond by which your plans are. I get to find out what your plans are. On this RSVP, you could write back and you could say, I'm not coming. I decline. Right? As soon as you decline, I no longer expect you to come. You could ignore the invitation. And by ignoring the invitation, you have declined. I'm not expecting you to come. But if you say, I am coming, and you check the little RSVP, RSVP box and you say, I am coming, at that moment, I am planning for you to come. Now, in the plan that I am cooking, <laughs> that I am strategizing, that I am creating for you is solely based on your response to the RSVP. So when you respond with, I am coming, then I start preparing for you to be there. If you don't respond or if you respond with, I decline, I no longer prepare for you to come. This is the same way God sees us through Jesus. The salvation experience. He has sent out an invitation to everybody. And there are people that have ignored the invitation. There are people that have declined the invitation. Uh, some people have uh, violently declined the invitation. Those people are at that moment, they are not predestined for what God has for them. I can only prepare for the people that say they're coming. And when they say they're coming, I then begin to prepare for your arrival. I'm going to make sure I have enough space. I'm going to make sure I have enough food. I'm going to make sure I have enough entertainment. I'm going to make sure I have a party gift for you when you leave. I'm preparing for your arrival. I'm predestining. Before you arrive, I am planning before you even get there. If you don't understand this, understand. If you don't understand that, understand this. Let's say um, we are where well, we are. We're going to the beach in June. Glory to God. I can't wait to get there. We're going to the beach. Um, this particular beach that we are going to, the destination is the beach. What should I do before I go to the beach? I should make reservations. I should plan. I should prepare. 
The destination is the beach. Pre means before. I am planning to go to the beach. I am getting prepared to get to my destination. This is what predestination is. It's nothing more, nothing less. This is what um, the, the naysayers would say. Well, God's, no, God has planned for you to go to heaven or hell or not. That's his plan. You, you really don't have a choice. It's, it's his plan. No, God has made a plan for everyone, and a lot of us have declined it. Or we've ignored the invitation. But as soon as we say yes, we begin to walk in the plan that God has for us. As a matter of fact, salvation is the foundation of predestination. Get this, get this. Let me say it again. Salvation is the foundation of predestination. It starts with the salvation experience. Soon as we accept Jesus, there's a plan for us to be conformed to the image of his son to look like Jesus, to act like Jesus. And this sequence will be completed. We will look like Jesus. It will be completed. Now, let's talk about the word foreknew for a moment. This is so important. It says, for he foreknew, he also predestined. This is, the, this is interesting. I'm limited. So I have to send out invitation cards. Brian, are you coming? I got to send a card out, right? I don't know if he's coming. Josh, you coming? Ken? Darren, you coming? I don't know. I got to send a card out to find out who's coming or not because I'm going to find out once you tell me through the response if you're coming or not. But imagine if you're God and you have foreknowledge. You have knowledge before anything happens. You already know what Jeannie's going to do. You already know what Sierra's going to do. You, you, you already know, and I've got, the, I've got the foreknowledge, and knowledge is power. And absolute knowledge is what? Absolute power. God has the knowledge. He's got the power. He knows. And so God already knows before the foundation of the world if you're going to say yes or no. But that didn't stop his invitation. What other people would say is he already knew, which means he selected. But I, I, I don't believe he selected. We still have a choice. I believe he knew. But he didn't select. They're arguing he selected. That's why he knew. No, he's got foreknowledge. He don't need an RSVP. I do. Because I don't know how many of y'all coming or not. I mean, I mean, if you come without saying, yes, you're coming, I might not let you in. Because I, pre- I didn't prepare for you. But God prepared for everyone, and he has the foreknowledge by which who is going to make what decision. So he knows beforehand. That's what foreknowledge is. I know before something happens. I know beforehand. And so since he knows beforehand, he has, remember, you've been, there's a calling, but he has the foreknowledge, and then there's a predestination. Then he begins to make the plan to set the course for your life, ultimately to look like Jesus, but specifically there are things that he wants you to do on this earth. All of us have individual things that God wants us to accomplish on this earth, the things that only really you can accomplish. There are people, I was talking to Drew this week, there are people that Drew only Drew can reach. I can't reach them. They may not ever step foot in my church. They may not ever listen to a podcast. 
They may not ever want to watch a YouTube video or look at a Spotify uh, audio. They might ever want to, but they'll listen to Drew. And so Drew can reach them. This is the purpose of coming to church. I'm to equip you so that you can go out and reach the people I can't reach. Oh, I thought I'd get a better amen than that. See, no, no, no. I think, I think y'all thought, well, I just want to come and practice. Come on, Pastor. Preach me a good message. It better be good so I can shout. And then you want to say, we had church today and Pastor was on and, and Pastor, he preached. Now, that's what you want. And you want me to get up here and dun, 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 and do all this stuff and say, we had church today. I'm supposed to equip you, build you up. Let you know what's on the inside of you. Encourage you and then you're supposed to leave this place with the purpose of, I got to tell somebody what I heard on Sunday. Amen. That's the purpose of it. But we've turned this into some kind of party and coming. We had church and I remember one particular guy. He said, oh, brother, you should have went to church. I said, well, tell me what the pastor preached. And it was a good friend of ours. He had preached at this place and I couldn't make it. And he went, his name was Rory. <laughs> I never forget Rory. Rory went and Rory said, man, you should have heard Kurt. That was the other guy's name. Kurt preached. Kurt preached the house down. Woo. Kurt preached. Oh my gosh. I said, Rory, what did Kurt preach? My goodness. It sounds like fire. He said, I can't remember. <laughs> I said, brother, you told me it was life altering. It was life changing. And the house was brought down and, and everybody was involved and, and getting some out of it. And you mean to tell me less than 24 hours after you heard, you can't remember what he preached. That sounds like most places around. Somebody come up and do a little shucking and jiving, a little kicking and dancing, and woo, we had church today, and you don't know not one thing that minister ministered on. He don't know either. <laughs> I remember the first time I met Steve Holly, and this was, this was, I mean, decades ago now. And uh, decades, we're not that old. Decade ago now. And uh, Steve, we, we were watching Burrell. Burrell was an uh, infant. And uh, Stacy knew Natasha. They came over the house and we had, uh, we were watching Burrell and I was watching some football. And Steve came in very skeptical. You know, he's looking around. You know, I know he's a dad. You know, he's going to leave. He's looking around. I guess Tasha had told him that I was a pastor and he's looking around. And, and I said, well, he looked a little skeptical. And that's fine. You know, I, I thought maybe he thought I was going to call some sin out of his life. I don't know. And, um, you know, that's one thing. But when I'm watching football, we're not, I'm not, I'm watching football. I'm not, I'm not in the third heaven trying to give you a prophecy. I'm just watching football. Okay. And so he came over, he talked a little bit, and then, then he came to a Bible study. And one of the, I was, I was at another church at this time. We hadn't started True Life yet, right? No, no. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Life's going on. But I was doing a little Bible study there. And Steve, Steve and Tasha were there, and it was a small group of people, maybe eight people or so. And Steve came up to me afterwards. I'll never forget. He goes, I've been in church all my life. I can't tell you anything the mother pastor said. But tonight, I know exactly what you talked about tonight. I said, that's how it ought to be, Steve. You should leave knowing what's been discussed, what's been talked about. This is the purpose for by which we come to fellowship, to get together, to encourage one another, and then to be equipped to go out. And this is what God has planned for us. And so we find out that this predestination purpose is for us to look like 
Jesus. He started this process in by which we are to be conformed to the image of his son. We are pre beforehand. There's a course that has been set for our life and it ends in looking like Jesus. Now, in the middle, there are decisions to make. In the middle, there are jobs to work. There are, there are families. There are, there, there are, you know, what are we going to eat today? Or, you know, what are we going to wear? Should my kid go to private school or public school, right? Should I, should, I, should I befriend this person or not? All these situations are going to take place in our life. But we have to understand that we have been predestined. And, and I, I want you to get this because when you... When you really trust God, then you understand that if my life has been predestined and his plans for me are always good and his plans for me are to give me a future and a hope, then I could rest in the plan of God. Um, you know, when you really consider that God has me on his mind. And God has you on his mind. You think about your name written in the palm of his hand and the price that he paid to purchase you. And in Ephesians 1, Paul tells us that we have been predestined to be adopted into sons and daughters. We've been predestined to be adopted. And, and so he's made a way for us. It, it causes me not to fear the future. Matter of fact, in Psalms 31, I believe it's verse 14 and 15, Psalms 31, 14 and 15, it says, but I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. My future is in your hands. When, when you realize that your life has been predestined, you can say things like you are my God. Now, let's be honest. Let's all be honest. The future is mysterious. We really don't know the future. And someone that says they do know the future is trying to get some money out of you. That's why they want to read your palm. They're trying to get some from you because it's mysterious. We really don't know what the future holds. But can we really walk in faith if we really know what the future holds, we, we, it, there has to be some, some sense of unknown and mystery about it that causes us to want to even walk in faith, trusting God that he holds our future. There is some form of, um, can I say this, nervousness, um, there's some form of anxiousness about the future. Uh, you can look at political climate. You can look at uh, the civil tension. You can look at wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and, and all these things that are taking place in the land that we're living in. And we're getting this information instantaneously. I don't think, uh, this is my opinion, I don't think we were supposed to get information this fast. I really don't. All at once. I, I don't think we were supposed to. We, we can know what's going on in Bukapupu. That's probably a real place, too. And we could probably, in an instant, 
we probably shouldn't be knowing what's going on over there, but we can know it in an instant. So we're getting bombarded with information, 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 information. Some of it not even true. Matter of fact, most of it probably not even true. But we've been bombarded with it, and it can cause some form of reservation anxiousness. Oh, there's been a school shooting. Those of us with kids immediately I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not outside of that. I have to lay my hands on my kids too when they go somewhere. Those of us that have adult children, man, I want them to make the right decision. I want them to do the right thing, marry the right guy. I, I want them to, uh, you know, make, make the right calls in their life. Those of us that are teenagers in here thinking about our parents, well, man, I, I just, you know, my parents are getting old and they look. They look, they're looking and moving a little sore, looking old. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s and my parents are older and, it's, and you can see. And it's like, man, the, the future, I don't, man, I don't know what it looks like. Uh, imagine if you knew when you were going to die. What was that one song? That one song, uh, um, if you had 24 hours to live, just think, where would you go? Who would you want to notify, you know? Or would you deny that you were about to die? It was a song, and this guy would rap about what he would do, you know, in in 24 hours. Imagine if you knew when you were going to die. Would you live differently? Oh, yeah, you would. Oh, yeah, you would. Would you make different decisions? But then it would take the mystery out of the future, and then we don't really have to have faith if we know that we were going to leave this earth on this particular day. There's no faith. But when we don't know, then we have to release faith for God who has predestined our life to end in a glorious fashion. I think somebody needs to hear this, but I'll say it again. I wasn't prepared to say it, but I'll say it again. I believe there's five biblical ways to depart this earth. Real quick, five biblical ways to depart this earth. Number one, biblical way to leave is long life. You've been satisfied. You can, when you say I'm satisfied, then go ahead and get up on out of here. I remember my big mama. Big mama was over 100 years old. Big mama was satisfied. Big mama could talk you up a storm, too, at 100. And then one day big mama said, I'm tired. And I knew big mama was going to leave because she was tired. She'd been satisfied. That's, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. I'm satisfied. Amen. I'm getting up on out of here. It's time to go because I am satisfied. The number two way to go, and in no particular order, uh, you, you have served and have given up your life for your friends. Uh, Jesus said, greater love than no man has for this than to give up their life for their friends. You laid down your life for your friends, for your family members. I like to look at military, people in the military, doctors, nurses, police officers, firemen. They're serving. Missionaries, they're serving and they're giving up their life for you and I. That, that's a way to go. That's a commendable way to depart this earth is to give up your life. Another way to depart this earth is to be a martyr. A martyr is someone that says, I will not renounce Jesus. Cut my head off, cut my leg off. Do whatever you want. I'm not going to denounce Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not going to denounce him. Man, uh, Roman, no, Hebrews chapter 11 says there are special rewards for the martyrs. 
Another way to depart this earth, biblical way, is the rapture. Jesus is coming back. Well, that's the second coming, but there's a rapture that's going to happen before the second coming. The rapture, he's going to blow the horn. And you're going to see me, and I'm going to be gone, okay? I'm going to be floating on up, and I'm going to be doing this, and I go on up. I've been waiting for that sound. And I'm going to be caught up to meet him in the air. Glory be to God. What a wonderful day that would be for you and I. And you can talk about the first wave, second wave. I'm going on the first wave. Y'all can stay for the second. I'm going on on the first wave. The, the rapture. And number five, like I said, no particular order. Your purpose has been fulfilled. Your purpose has been fulfilled. You're, you've done exactly what God's called you to do. I believe Jesus, at 33 years old, fulfilled his purpose. I believe Martin Luther King. How old was Dr. Martin Luther King? 39, 39 years old. I believe he fulfilled the purpose. I believe his voice speaks louder, my opinion, his voice speaks louder today than if he were still alive today. I really believe that. Purpose fulfilled. So these are the ways to get up on out of here. I didn't mean to share that with you, but somebody need to hear that. These are the ways to get up on out of here. Now, if you leave by sickness and disease, no condemnation, you won. You went to heaven, especially if you know Jesus, you've been predestined to go straight to heaven. No sickness or, or no, no condemnation. If you are fighting a disease and you say, I'm done fighting, go home. Go home. Go home. Go be with the Lord. I, I get that. I understand that. Nobody can tell you how to feel. Go home. No condemnation. But then there are, but these are the five ways I found in Scripture about departing the earth. In Psalms 31, real quick, let's turn back there real quick. 31, 14 and 15. But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. My future is in your hands. You got to come to a place that you say everything's going to be all right. Can you say that with me? Everything's going to be all right. Say it again. Everything's going to be all right. You cannot see your future. You can't, you can't see it in terms of being very definitive where your future is concerned. But you know that everything's going to be all right. Say it again. Everything's going to be all right. I tell myself that sometimes I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what direction to take. And I think everything is going to be all right. My future is in the hands of God. When you understand that your future is in the hand of God, you can be secure in the love of God. You can just be so secure in his love that he loves me. And my future is in his hands. When you know that someone that loves you, who's all powerful, all knowledgeable, and you know that they love you, you can trust them. You can trust them when you know they love you. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. 
You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.